Do not be unbelieving, but believing, volume 2. Do not be what? Unbelieving, but believing, volume 2. Understand unbelief and experience victory and dominion over it. Message number three. Freedom from unbelief, part one. Freedom from unbelief, part one. Is that clear? Hallelujah. I want you to take note of what we're about to look at. It's freedom from unbelief, part one. Amen. Amen. By that, uh, before we get into that, I want us to recognize the fact of what we have been dealing with up to this moment. We've dealt with, the first message was the sin of unbelief, part one. Amen. There we saw that unbelief is not just a weak, a weakness of character, but it is actually a sinful condition of the heart. And unbelief is one of the negative spiritual attitudes of the heart. It's a spiritual condition of a heart that is not right with God. As a matter of fact, God, through the mouth of Jesus, Reckon with unbelief as a perverse condition, a perversion, along with doubt, fear, anxiety, discouragement. Is anybody following? Because this is very important. I am sure that before we started doing this, looking at this, a lot of you must have been looking at unbelief as a spirit, just a mere personal weakness. It is more than that. It's a weakness, but it's more than a weakness. It is unbelief along with doubt, fear, anxiety, discouragement. Unfortunately, we like to entertain them. We just like to just consider them as mere weaknesses, but God doesn't see them that, that way. God sees them as a sinful condition of the heart. God sees them as a perversion. You know, let me give you an example of what perversion is. If I ask you what forms of perversions you know, and everybody would think about sexual perversion, such as homosexuality. Is that correct? Huh? Amen. Um, lesbianism, bestiality, um, uh, you know, was the one that deals with children, pedophilia, uh, voyeurism, S&M, all kinds of things. Those are sexual perversions. But when we talk about spiritual perversions, we have stuff like doubt, unbelief. Are you all hearing me? Huh? Fear, discouragement. Now, the, here, here's the difference, for instance, for you to get the weight of what we're dealing with. If, if I stand here and, and uh, or if, if somebody talks about homosexuality in an approving manner, you say, which is the right reaction. Are you following? That is the reaction God expects us to have when issues like doubt and unbelief come up. You didn't get that. Because it's a spiritual perversion. You know how I know? Jesus said to the man who came to him with a son and said, my son has been sick and, um, and I brought him to your servants and they couldn't hear, cure him. Now that you're here, if you can do anything, Jesus rebuked him and said, if I can, no, if you believe, all things are 
possible. He said, bring him here. Next thing he said, bring him here. You what? Unbelieving and perverse generation. How long will I be with you? <laughs> Do you have an idea of what I'm talking about? Amen. So my whole point here is that we should not condone, entertain, unbelief and doubt, discouragement, and things like that anymore. And the devil knows the power of such things as weapons in his hands against the believer. The greatest, mightiest believer can shut down Elijah after a tremendous miracle on Mount Carmel. Just got news, a warning from Jezebel. Because of fear and discouragement, he went down. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, our faith can be big and our belief great, but one needle hole of unbelief can deflate them. You can't fit things over unbelief and doubt. You know, you can get a child now and sitting in front of you, I keep blowing a balloon. He's excited, right? Big balloon, I start playing with that balloon. Boom, 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 boom. That balloon falls on a hairpin. From any of your galleys that fell off, something like that. <laughs> you know what will happen to the balloon? It would deflate. That's what unbelief and doubt can do to our faith and belief. Even fear. And the walk in chains. So I'm emphasizing this to let you know that after this series, and we're about to round up on it, you cannot afford to entertain doubt and unbelief anymore. It doesn't matter what the situation is. Amen. And sometimes you will need your brother or your sister to jerk you up, to give you a jump start. That's one of the reasons why you don't break the relationship ships God has put in your hand. That's why we need to appreciate one another. Are you hearing me? And one of the things, let me say that I don't know how God's talking to this. One of the strategies the devil uses to make sure he keeps you in defeat through doubt, unbelief, and other negative spiritual uh, conditions is alienation. I've told you this before. It's not something we hear so often. It's called what? Alienation. There is a spirit of alienation. Sometimes you alienate yourself or you allow the enemy to alienate you from the fellowship that God has put you in. And the devil's strategy of alienating you is to get you out from the protective fellowship. Praise God. In order that he might strike at you. And it works for him most of the times. Because Christians don't understand the power of fellowship. As we are dealing, we are dealing with last Sunday, we will continue. Are you all following what I'm saying? So doubt and unbelief are giant killers when it comes to faith. Anyway, after looking at, so always remember the doubt and unbelief are negative spiritual uh, um, attitudes. And they are sinful in the eyes of God. So after that we dealt with, after the sin of unbelief, what did we deal, deal with? Manifestations of unbelief. Is that correct? The first one was what? Let's, let, 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 let's take it again. That will help you to begin to recognize these things. I don't just talk air. I don't talk breeze. I talk tangible things. And so that you'll be able to remember when you, if you're dealing with it or if you see it in your life or in another person's life, you can tell. 
So how, what are the common ways that unbelief can manifest in a human soul, especially a believer? Uh, two broad ways. Is that correct? Deliberate and what? Non-deliberate. Or intentional and what? Unintentional. Is that correct? These are the two broad ways. Let's go to specific ways. Number one, spiritual darkness and ignorance. Due to what? What's the cause? Ignorance, right? Lack of the word of God. And again, the word of God is light. Is, is that correct? So the way to overcome spiritual darkness is to inject the word of God into the environment or into the human soul that's in the dark. Does anybody follow what we're saying here? Paul says, how can they believe except they hear? <laughs> hear what? The word of God. How can they hear except someone is preached to them? Is that correct? So, and that's unintentional unbelief. But the moment they hear, it ceases to be unintentional. So they are expected to make a decision. So is that correct? Spiritual darkness or ignorance? My people perish because of what? Lack of knowledge. Number two, spiritual deafness or blindness. Remember, faith is primarily a spiritual seeing or hearing. Is that correct? And a spiritual sensation of all kinds. So when there is a spiritual blindness or deafness, you know that faith uh, is, there's a problem there. There's an unbelief. There's a failure in perception, which is what unbelief is. Is that correct? Unbelief is a failure in what? Perception. Doubt is a failure in what? Persuasion. You, you need to understand these things. These are clear. Trust me, you won't hear this message any other place. You can't. God showed me point by point. Hallelujah. So that you will have no what? Excuse. Amen. Praise God. Some of these things, pastors want to hear this kind of teachings. That's the level where we are. What you hear, many pastors say, I wish I could hear it so I can teach my congregations. But you're getting it firsthand. Amen? So, to whom much is given, much is expected. You have to bear, show fruits and bear fruits of what God, grace, what God is giving you. So, amen? amen? So, if there's spiritual blindness or spiritual deafness, there will be unbelief. And that means the word is present, but their faith is not quickened. Or, as Jesus put it, they close their eyes and their ears. So that in hearing, they do not hear. And in seeing, they do not see. In order that they will not return. So that I might, what? Heal them. Grace them. <laughs> Remember, the only way to receive grace is by faith. So doubt was, and unbelief will stop you from receiving grace. Does that make sense? Yes. I, I, is, is, it, is it confusing? Number three. Spiritual prejudice or bias. Hallelujah. There is, in every case, there is faith. But these other factors do not allow faith to function. God has given to everyone among us a measure of faith. But there's no guarantee except you consciously exercise that faith. There's no guarantee that it will be turned into belief. And faith, if present... In which case, it's always present in every soul. But it will not work until it is turned into belief. 
Come on. Amen. Amen. So unbelief stops you from exercising using that faith. So take for instance, the word of God is present, but you have some doctrinal prejudice or ethnic prejudice or racial prejudice. Hallelujah. It will shut your faith down. Praise God. Hallelujah. I mean, a classic example was the people of the town or village of Jesus. When he came, because they knew him from a child, no matter the amount of miracles and teaching, the kind of wisdom that came out from his mouth was unbelievable. I mean, it was so, so, I mean, so out of this world. But after they heard all of that, they said, come on. Where did he get all this? We knew him from childhood. We know the mother. We know the brothers and sisters. Oh, no. Yeah, what we're hearing is out of this world, but come on. He just showed up, and he's teaching us that. The Bible said, because of that, he could not do much miracles among in his town. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Except that he healed a few people. He couldn't do miracles, except that he said, Pastor, but he's healing not miracles. That's interesting. God showed me this years ago. Healing is miracles, but the primary miracles in the New Testament, primary, is the casting out of demons, the ministry of deliverance. It comes on that walk of power. That's the workings of miracles. Healings and other miracles are miracles, but they are secondary to that. Are you following? And here's what it's saying. The demons that we are holding these people got attached to them. And Jesus, they wouldn't they embraced them because of their doubt. And Jesus couldn't cast it out from them because they could not believe. I want you to know that God cannot go beyond your faith and belief. Don't get me wrong, He has done everything for you. This is the age of receiving. Is that TLC? Okay. (laughs) And you cannot receive beyond the measure of faith you exercise through belief. It's impossible. If somebody forces it into your hand, the devil knowing that you could exercise faith and belief will come and take it from your hand. (laughs) Amen? Amen? No matter how much grace is swimming around you, you cannot experience it. Unless you exercise faith through belief. And at that measure, it's not dependent upon you. How much you get is dependent upon you. You can't, even, you can't blame God and say, God, you gave this person more and gave me less. That's not how it works. In fact, God expects you to, by your faith and belief, you take the little you have and increase it. And if you don't, he said it will be taken from you. That's how faith, true belief operates. Number four, hardness of heart. That's a manifestation of unbelief. Whereby the word comes, faith is there, but the heart is hardened. Two, hardened to the point that it will not. He has heard the word, does faith, but I shall not be moved. That's the hardness of heart. I see it is truth. It's the truth. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to. 
I'm not going to. We saw examples. Is that correct? Amen? From Scripture. Amen. Many examples. It's interesting. Spiritual bias. And it, it goes down and down and down and down. They harden their heart. People harden their heart and say, no, we will not believe. Like Thomas, hadn't desired. So on, no matter what you guys tell me, I will not believe unless I see. Did you see hardness of heart? And that's why when Jesus came, he wasn't happy. As a matter of fact, all the apostles suffered from hardness of heart. Because when Mary Magdalene saw him from the grave, he came and told them. Remember what they told Jesus when he met them on the road to Emmaus. He said, and some women, we, we, this guy, God sent him, we all rejoiced, he had miracles, and, uh, and then we hoped that he would deliver Israel. And then all of a sudden, the Romans arrested him and killed him, and we were disappointed. And then he was buried, it's three days since he was buried, and some bunch of women came this morning and was in that condition and surprised us and said he was raised from the grave. Did you see that? Amen. Spiritual blindness. Because they were still in that condition until he opened their eyes. Amen. Amen. Praise God. So he said to them, how come you couldn't believe that? And some of them religious. You can be so religious and be in doubt and unbelief. But when they told Peter and John, they were running to the grave to see. Jesus expected them to believe without getting to that grave. Because he had told them. They outran each other. John outran Peter. Peter was say, panting by the time they got there. And they didn't see him. And he said, we went there and saw the grave empty. But him we didn't see. Unbelief. All they needed to he- know and reckon with was what he was telling them before he died. That I'm going to Jerusalem. They'll kill me and bury me. And the third day I will rise. That's all they needed. They didn't need any evidence. Are you all following? Like, what am I saying? Pastor, what are you saying? Here's all you need brothers and sisters, you don't need anybody to come from the dead to tell you how they were at the door of heaven and somebody said to them, go back home and forgive that person, that sister. So I came back home to forgive her. I woke up. It was so real. If the Bible says forgive one another, that's enough. You don't need to have a dream for goodness sake. Do you understand? Okay. Abraham said to the, the poor man said to Abraham, send Lazarus to go. For if they hear somebody from the grave, they will believe. Abraham said, no. If they have the law and the prophet, was that? The Bible. Old Testament for that matter. If they don't believe, even if we send somebody from the dead, they will not believe. And that's the human nature. Sometimes religion fools us. <clears throat> I wish I was there when Jesus was on earth. You wouldn't have done dime. You would have been as unbelieving as you are today. In fact, you have been worse. Praise God. Number evil heart of unbelief is a progression from the hardness of heart. Hardness of heart says, I shall not be moved. Leave me alone. I'm not doing anything. Evil heart goes a step further and says, hmm, blasphemes against God. Rebels against him. Insults him. Who does God think is it? I'm not going to do that. This God thing is getting crazy. I'm not going to. Listen, that's the prayer we're praying. 
The enemy is bigger and greater. There's nothing we can do. Forget all the hand clapping and singing. It's impossible. Don't be fooled. That's evil heart. It goes on beyond a hardness of heart. Did we see that? For two Thursdays, that's what we dealt with. It goes beyond that to do what? Blaspheme against God. Rebel against God. And you know what? Rebellion is one thing you can do easily without realizing you're rebelling against God. Especially when you're rebelling against human authority appointed by God. There are sins you commit without the devil making you feel guilty. One of them is pride. Especially religious pride. Another one is doubt and unbelief. Another another one is rebellion. (laughs) Especially little, little rebellions. <laughs> Amen. So, if you heart of unbelief, is that correct? We dealt with all of that extensively. Get the CD. Now, tonight, what we want to do is freedom from unbelief. How do we get free from it? Amen. Freedom. I'm not talking about deliverance from unbelief because we have been delivered from everything where? On the cross. Say, I have been delivered from unbelief. Now, don't just mouth it from just, it's not just a lip service. You, you, believe, you believe that you've been delivered from unbelief? Okay, so what I'm about to talk about now is uh, how you're going to be what? Walk in that deliverance. It's called what? Freedom. Praise God. Or dominion over unbelief. Praise God. For us, victory is in the past. Are you all hearing me? About anything, don't let the devil change the schedule. Say after me, don't, I will not let the devil change the schedule and the timing. For everything we need, deliverance, any negative experience for, for us, you know, in us, deliverance is a past event. Redemption is what? A past event. What God wants for us to do in the present is triumph and freedom. You don't go praying for God to deliver you from anything. He did that on the cross 2,000 years ago. And he has given you the authority and the power of the Holy Spirit to walk in freedom over that thing today until he returns. That's the order of business, folks. Is anybody following? Amen. If you find an exception in the Bible, come and tell me. You get your money back. That's all. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So before we look at the, the, the freedom from unbelief. Amen. How you can walk in triumph and dominion over it. Let's see the warnings that God gives about unbelief. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews, the third chapter. And then after that, I'll give you about seven or eight steps that you can take. Hebrews The third chapter, the New Testament book of Hebrews, chapter 3. Amen. Hallelujah. Chapter 3. Here it is. I'll read from verse 12. From verse 12. Say, take care, brethren, that there be no, there be in any one of you an evil unbelieving heart. The New American Standard says, and what? Evil what? Unbelieving 
heart. Say, take care. I think the King James say, take heed. Is that what it says? Take heed. That's a strong word. That's a warning. It's not a prophecy. <laughs> it's not even an announcement of a fulfilled reality. It's an instruction to be what? Believed. See, the way to deal with unbelief is to believe. <laughs> you don't have any gap. And say, okay, pastor, if God does this, I'll believe. No. Or if, if the, devil, the, the devil can, you know, ratchet it down a little bit, then I, I'll show him how to believe. No, he won't ratchet it down. If any, in fact, the more you believe, the more he gets angry. Praise the Lord. The more he turns it up. But you overcome him by faith. This is the victory that overcomes the world. Even our faith. Praise God. All right? Take care, brethren, that there be no. Did you notice that? There be not. Did you notice that? He's speaking to a congregation. Say, make sure that no one among you. Oh, praise the Lord. Make sure. He's talking to the, it looked like, of course, it was an episode. So the, the pastor will read the letter first. Amen? The pastor is meant to, and that's why I'm teaching this. I'm making sure that no one among us will be held down by unbelief. The only person who will be held down is the person who is not listening to this and who is not here, who has more important things to do elsewhere. Some of these letters, books, you think they are books that are systematically crafted out. They just turned out to be systematic. A letter is written to the pastor to read to the congregants. <laughs> I'm telling you, that's why they're called episodes or letters. Are you following? So it was the job of the pastor primarily to make sure that there not be in any one of you an evil what? Heart. Or unbelieving heart. Of unbelief, King James says, that falls away from the living God. Did you notice that? So it's not a mere simple weakness. It will make you to fall away. Apostasy is the word. To fall away from the living God. What's the implication? It means that he's writing to believers. Because you cannot fall away from something that you are not on. <laughs> Am I right? Praise the Lord. You can't. So, can a Christian lose his salvation? Have you had that question? Okay, if he can fall away from the living God, he loses the salvation. <laughs> I don't know why some arguments exist among us. Praise God. And for this, God is giving a warning. That gives you God's attitude towards unbelief. It's something for which he warns so grievously. Amen? But encourage one another day after day. Can you imagine how often? Day after day. You can't even get people week after week. You can't get them. They can't come to church. <laughs> month to month. There are people who don't show up because they have good reasons not to show up. Well, they are waiting for me to show up on Facebook and give them the word. No, there is something about coming together. I want you to know that. Amen? Amen. Amen. But encourage one another day after day, as long as it is called when? Today, that's this present age. Amen? So that none of you will be hardened. Listen to that. 
Hardened. You notice that? Hardness of heart. Did you notice that? Because if you're hardened, it will end up with an evil heart. Did you notice the progression? Hardened by the deceitfulness of what? Sin. Deceitfulness of sin. Listen, if you commit one sin over and over and over, you will lose the sensitivity of the spirit that had grieved at the first time. And your heart may be hardened, whatever the sin is, and you'll be in unbelief. For instance, if it's a sin that for which you were warned initially and you respected God for, after you do it two, three times and you're still breathing, you say, well, God didn't kill me, so I can go ahead. Praise God. Amen? For we have become partakers of Christ. Look at that. If we hold fast, right? The beginning of our assurance from firm until the end. Notice assurance at the beginning. That's faith and belief. If you hold fast to it, till when? The end. So I used to believe God. But after certain things happened in my life, I became weak in faith. Dangerous place to be. While it is said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me. Of course, you have an idea what he's talking about. That is the incident in the wilderness. Amen? For who provoked him when they heard? Did you notice that? Who provoked him when they heard? Notice that their faith received the word. That's why he said when they heard. Are you following? But because they could not turn that faith into belief. That was unbelief. And God was provoked. Am I making sense to anybody? It was provoked. Amen? Indeed, did not all those who came out of Egypt, led by Moses, and with whom was God angry for 40 years, was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? You know what the primary sin was? Unbelief. Unbelief. And their bodies fell where? In the wilderness. There are more than one occasion. Amen? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter into his rest? Enter his rest. But to those who were disobedient. What's another word for disobedience? Unbelief. What's another word for belief? Obedience. So they had faith and they had the word. Praise God. Are you following? But for failure to be persuaded, to, be, to perceive the truth and to be persuaded by it. God was provoked. Amen? And said they will not enter into his what? Rest. You know what the rest is here? Okay. Okay, good. It's called Sabbath, but not necessarily the keeping of the seventh day. Seventh day. The rest here means God's grace. Oh, you don't understand. Especially the grace of his, the experience of his kingdom purposes his kingdom plans, and his kingdom provisions. One word for it is salvation. That's the rest. Did you understand what I'm saying? Amen. So every day, we are the people that have been called into God's salvation now in its real form. Hear me. Are you all hearing me? And Jesus has provided that rest. But we can be kept out of that rest by reason of our Unbelief. 
We have so much grace placed in front of us. Praise the Lord. We have so much grace that covers us like a canopy. But in the midst of all of that grace, we may come short as orphans. We may be in in need, in lack and in need. Not because God has not provided, but because. Not even because we have no faith. For we have faith. But because we fail to exercise what? Belief. Am I making sense here? And you can say, well, I don't want what God has for me. Is, is, is that correct? Okay. When we don't exercise our faith into belief, we will not have what God has for us. Are you all following? Okay. And you can say, well, I don't want what God has for us, has for me. Guess what it does to God? It provokes God. Did you hear that? It what? Provokes God. Whether you do it intentionally or intentionally, God is provoked. Can I give you an example in the Bible? Huh? Esau. Ooh. Praise the Lord. Can I give you an example? Esau. Esau had tremendous grace. Somewhere in this book, it said, let no one be like Esau. Who for a muscle of what? Bread. Sold his what? Birthright. That's his grace. Esau had grace all over him. Esau was a twin brother to a very competitive guy. And grace was on his side. Do you understand? Pastor, how do you know? While they were in the womb, they were fighting. Guess what? What was the contention? What were they fighting for? Huh? The birthright, yes. But the first thing, who will come out first so as to grab the birthright? Because the one that comes out first will be reckoned as the first. And to the first belongs the birthright by natural calculation. Is that correct? Okay. Guess who came out first? Who came out first? Esau came out first. Wasn't Grace on his side? Amen. And the other guy lost it. All you could get was Esau's uncle. <laughs> well, as Esau was coming out, Jacob, and that's why God loves him. As Esau was coming out, he grabbed Esau's ankle. Esau said, you know how they run the 100 meters? And you, you do your chest like that, and somebody flies and with his head. That's literally what happened there. He grabs Esau's ankle. Say, we came together, we came together, we came together. Whatever you guys do. The umpire said, Esau came out first. He said, well, the battle is not over. Why? Because he wants what God has to offer. He believed. Esau did not believe. Both of them had faith. They all saw the birthright. But only one person believed. The other was in unbelief. Are you following? God didn't have to switch it. Their mother tried to switch it and she died for it. Their mother died for nothing. I'm telling you the truth. She didn't have to do anything. Oh, you didn't get that. You didn't, did you get that? 
So, this guy had grace. The other guy waited for opportunity when that grace will slip from his hand. So one day, both of them were hungry. I said, both of them were what? Hungry. But one was willing to fast. That's the significance of fasting. That's the principle of fasting. Let me tell you what fasting is all about. It's not, it's not about just, you, you have to let go of food or whatever you're fasting about. But the spiritual significance is letting go of anything in order to lay hold on a kingdom priority. Did you understand that? Otherwise, it becomes hunger strike. Do you understand? So they were hungry, they were cooked, they cooked food. It's, Jacob didn't cook to trap the brother. He cooked to eat because he was hungry. But the brother showed up and said, I smell the food three blocks away. What's cooking? He says, lentil stew. In the Middle East, lentil stew, you can sell your house to buy it. That's how much they love it there. He said, well, I'm hungry. Can I have a, some of your lentils too? <laughs> he said, well... I've been waiting for this. I'm hungry too, but if you're willing, can I have the birthright? You know what he said? That's why I told all this long story. Don't disappoint me. You know what he said? Of what use is the birthright to me? Well, I'm hungry. I'm about to die. Don't we go through that? Enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season and let go of what God has for us. Thinking that you can always pick it up. It's not so. Does anybody follow what we are dealing with here? We're talking about unbelief. This guy, Jacob, believed that he could still have it. Esau didn't believe that actually that bad right will amount to anything. And he thought he could get it after. Because there was another event coming. It's called the impartation of blessing by their father. So Esau grabbed the birthright. Jacob grabbed the birthright. He knows that if you lose the birthright, you have lost the blessing. Do you understand? So if you reject what God has for you, you lost it. And there's no belief there. There's no faith there. It's unbelief. Praise God. Amen? Amen. And you will not come to your rest. You notice Esau never came to his rest. Amen? But to those who were disobedient, so we see that they were not able to enter the enter because of what? Unbelief. They couldn't appropriate and experience the gracious purposes. Gracious kingdom purposes, plans, and provisions. That's your rest. One word for it is what? Salvation. In the present time, and we have a consummation coming. Do you understand? Do you understand? Because of what? Unbelief. Because of unbelief. Amen. What verse is that? 19. Hallelujah. Amen. In, in verse, somewhere it says that the word they heard. He said, they heard, we heard the word as they also heard the word. But the word they heard, did you notice that? There was the word, is that correct? And they heard, is that correct? That means they had faith. He said, it did not profit them because they did not do what? 
mix it with what? Faith in their heart, meaning they did not proceed from faith to believe. Amen. They were not persuaded by the word and the faith leading to unbelief. Now let's look at the, begin to look at the steps. We'll take one or two tonight and we'll finish it last, next Thursday. Amen. Steps to freedom from unbelief or dominion over unbelief. Number one, personal examination. Personal examination or introspection as we prayed on Sunday. Personal examination. Like I said, there are some sins that you never thought that you are guilty of. And one of them is doubt and unbelief. Especially unbelief. Doubt you can pick up. People can pick up. But unbelief, in a religious atmosphere, everybody thinks that they believe than the other. Are you hearing me? You can't dare, you dare not call anybody an unbeliever in the congregation of God's people. They will stone you. Praise the Lord. Is that true? All right. So, and, 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 and I, I agree with them. You start with yourself. Hallelujah. So you do a personal examination. Amen. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And the fact is that as Christians, as believers, we may not be totally unbelieving, but there may be aspects of the biblical truth that we are unbelieving about. Take, for instance, some of the provisions of God in the Bible. Take, for instance, some of us may be unbelieving about healing, divine healing. Some of us may be unbelieving about um, deliverance, usually due to doctrinal prejudice, sometimes ignorance. Are you all following what I'm saying? Sometimes ignorance. Amen? Um, giving and tithing is a major, major area of unbelief. People just look at their pay stub and they say, I can't do this. There's no way. Well, after, if anything is left over, we give to the Lord. That's unbelief. Now, you believe, you, the thing is that your faith is looking at the pay stub and the, your account balance. If you keep looking at them, you cannot believe. Are you all following? Be careful what you look at. And because what you're looking at, you're channeling your faith at that thing. Is that correct? And if it doesn't agree with your situation, you will not be persuaded to believe. <laughs> Praise God. So, one area you have to look at is examine yourself. Examine all the truths that are taught in the Bible. Ask yourself, have I believed all the truths that are taught in the Bible? Do I believe them? You know, usually it's natural for us when we come to Christ. We, we like the sweet ones. There are ones we like. You know, take for instance, we like whenever they are teaching on healing, deliverance, uh, financial abundance, um, you know, some of these things. But when it comes to forgive one another, mm, when it comes to serving one another, really? Are, are you following what I'm saying? So we don't get everything when we come in newly. God knows what he's doing. He starts us with sweet doctrines. You don't understand. Sweet, sweet doctrine. Baptism of the Holy Spirit. Everybody wants to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Then after that, the walk in the Spirit becomes a problem. So it starts out with the simple sweet ones. But a time comes, you say, hey, 
You've been on milk. Now it's time for bone. Is that correct? When he got Israel out of Egypt, there was a way he took them initially. His, his, his wisdom is that he didn't want them to see warriors at that time. Otherwise, they'll be discouraged and fall away. So he avoided them. But when it was time to cross the Red Sea and get into the promised land, he didn't avoid it. He said, hey, look at them. The ites, they are out there. But you are more than able to deal with them. That's when trouble started. Are you, are you all following? So the best way to start in dealing with unbelief is to examine yourself. Are you in 1 Corinthians 13? Amen. Verse 5. Oh, sorry, 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5, right? Amen. 2 Corinthians 13, 5. You see it? So test yourself to see if you're in the faith. Examine yourselves. Or do you not recognize this about yourself, that Jesus is in you, unless indeed you fail the test? Hallelujah. The part I want to take there is do what? Test yourself. Examine yourself. You know, like we were saying on Sunday, it's something we don't do today. As a matter of fact, something we need to do every day. Not with a sense of doubt whether we are true or not. Check yourself and say, am I really walking right? Am I believing God for everything? Hallelujah. Don't say, but I pray every day. I read my Bible every day. You know, religious people, they always, you know, one of the things I found about religious people is that when you say anything, and I've learned to talk to them, very, that's when I pull out my diplomacy to talk to them. Otherwise, you say something about it, you know, no, no. But pastor, I read my Bible every day. I pray every day. And, and you see their shoulder. At that time, they do it like that. I, oh, no, 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 I'm not saying you're not praying. You're not reading your Bible. But that doesn't mean you cannot examine yourself. Do you understand what I'm saying? Am I really believing God? You, you can pray without believing. You know that? Is that true? Amen. You can hear the word. And when you're living, you leave it back. <laughs> Amen. Or it comes in one ear and goes through the other ear. You have to examine yourself. Am I really? If possible, on a day-to-day basis. Moment-to-moment basis. And after, how I spoke back to the usher. Am I really, is that how I'm supposed to have spoken to her? She was only trying to maintain order in the house of God. We do whatever we do, we keep going. And we come back, we keep going. And sometimes we know we'll do whatever. I don't care if anybody looks at me. I don't care. I'm a child of God, no matter what anybody says. I'm going to go to heaven. Examine yourself. You may be living in unbelief, thinking that you're right. The Bible said, for instance, if your brother offends you or if you offend your brother, if you're a believer, you have to pay attention to some of those things. Do you understand what I'm saying? But if you're not paying attention, it means that you are in unbelief. And you know what happens? We live in unbelief in every other area. But when we are told that we got your application, 
We are asking if you're available for an interview on Thursday. Father God, in the name of Jesus, Father. That's why you say Father God for the next 45 minutes. You can't say anything. Because everything you've been doing come at that time. The devil said, ah, you just insulted the ushers. You have no regard for the grandmothers in the house. The pastors are nothing for you. He said, yes, I know. Devil, keep quiet. Father God, Father, you're not keeping quiet. Because you've not been taking care of business. Do you understand what I'm saying? So we have to examine ourselves. Otherwise, the devil will bring doubt at that time. He knows our weaknesses. Are you all hearing me? And that time, because we've not believed this, it's hard also for us to believe that. Let me tell you, faith, you move faith in directions. That's why it's given to us in the hand. Amen? Faith is not fastened on the body. If you look at the, the, the clothing of the, the Roman soldier, praise God. And if you're not believing God for finance, you cannot easily believe him for your career success. There's going to be a problem somewhere. Amen? Praise God. Second Peter 1, 10 to 11. Second Peter 1, 10 to 11. Hallelujah. Therefore, brethren, be all more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. Did you notice that? Make your calling clear. Make certain. Look at that. As long as you establish these things, you will not what? Stumble. You won't struggle with unbelief. You won't struggle with doubt. But every time you are struggling, anything they are teaching in church, you go your own way. You say, they can say what you like. The devil knows where to get you. Am I speaking to somebody here tonight? Huh? Praise God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. First Corinthians 10. First Corinthians chapter 10. Verse 12. Here's what it says. Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed that he does not what? For he that thinks his war, he does what? He stands. Do what? Take it. Don't condemn yourself, but examine yourself. Are you all hearing me? All of us examine ourselves. And so that the devil will have no place. If we examine ourselves and see our doubts and unbelief, and we take care of it, the devil will be relieved of his job. Are you all following? But when we ignore things that we need to fix, we are giving him grounds of operation. Do you understand what I'm saying? You are giving him grounds of operation. He will come up readily to burden you with heaviness, guilt, condemnation, and unworthiness. Number two, number two, repentance through sincere denunciation and renunciation of unbelief and doubt, doctrinal prejudice, religious pride presumption, and other forms of stubbornness. Huh? Say that again. Okay. Repentance. Listen to that. Repentance. How do I repent? Repentance is a change of mind. But how do I express it? You denounce, you renounce. These are part of belief. When you are renouncing and denouncing something, you are believing God for the termination of that thing. You are cutting off your association with that thing. Are you following? To denounce means to call that thing what it is. That's what it means to denounce. 
to call it what it is. And what does God call it evil? You call that an evil. To renounce is to remove yourself from it. Now, the first one, you call it what it is. The second one, because of what it is, you are renouncing, you are telling that, even if you are involved in it before, from now on, I'm not going to be part of you. And that hurts the devil. And I tell you this, from close to 30 years of ministering deliverance, I don't know anything that releases the victim, the captive of the enemy, than that initially. When that is done, every other thing is easy. When it's done sincerely. Because at that, before that time, you're hugging the, the, the evil condition. The moment you denounce it, wow, it gets uncomfortable. You call it, can you imagine hugging somebody, say, um, um, I've been hugging you. Who is this? I didn't know you were evil. Do you understand? Can, can you imagine two people hugging? And one person say, hmm, who is this? I've just opened my eyes. You are evil. Before you release him, he goes under your hand goes. As he's going, he said, please don't come back to me. I'm renouncing you. But if you hug the thing, I don't care. I, still, I know my position in church. Nobody will take it from me. Because my God stands for me. I said, I don't care what anybody say. Every tongue against me, you're hugging the evil. And people, everybody say, don't talk to him. Or if you talk to him, we won't have service. So don't talk to him or her. Okay? We say, okay. You will hug the evil and go back home. Are we getting what we're saying here? But the moment, it doesn't matter how many years that, that thing has run in your family. If you sincerely denounce it and renounce it, it runs fast. The Bible tells us to renounce every walk of darkness. Expose them and denounce them. And what are the things, if we are dealing with doubt and unbelief, what are the things that we have to denounce? Let me give you a few. Amen? Unbelief, doubt, doctrinal prejudice, religious pride, religious pride, presumption, and other forms of stubbornness. Presumption and other forms of stubbornness. When I was growing up, in, my, in the Catholic Church, one, one of the things we had was pride. I'll tell you this. That's why when I see people who didn't grow up in the Catholic Church trying to show religious, I say, listen, you, don't, you have no idea what you're doing. I grew up in the Catholic Church. We were told that that's the first church. It's two churches we know, Catholic and others. I'm telling you the truth. Our priests go to seminary 14 years. <laughs> in those days. And so, you're talking about vestment, they had the best. And when you look at all of that, and you come to Christ in all simplicity, you have to denounce pride. And then you see Pentecostals who are not there and they want to go there. And they rate at which they are pursuing some of those things. They are alarming. Titles. Arch, super arch. All kinds of things. Do you understand what I'm saying? So renounce that prejudice. Pride and stubbornness. Some Christians are so stubborn that if Christ was physically on earth, he can't deal with them. And it doesn't help anybody. Do you understand what I'm saying? Amen? So we, you have to denounce those things. You need to denounce them. And if you don't, if you keep hugging them, they will shortchange you. 
you will come short of grace. Esau was proud. Come on, I'm the first boy. Let me see you, little boy. Let me see how you're going to take my, my, my battery. He still thought that he would get it after. But when Jungle matured, if you really want to cry, if you want to cry, go and read his bleeding. When he went to the father, the father, if you really want to be touched, he walked, paced around and said, is there nothing left? The father says nothing left. He came back. If you read that place and come out the same. But before that time he had it, but he didn't know what to do with it. Shall we rise? Come on. Amen. I'll read the scripture for this next Thursday.